my name is Karen O'Connor and you are listening to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast that looks at all aspects of women's lives from hormones and health to relationships, finance and social justice issues. You can connect with me on social media at at karen.mmn. If you enjoy this podcast or podcasts in general, and you've been wondering whether you should start your own podcast, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is to start podcasting. Now let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. Today I'm here with Laura Petrie. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Karen. Great to be here. I was actually looking forward to chatting to you because we're going to have a conversation about how to deal with your ex's family, the in-laws and everything after you've been a separation and particularly around Christmas because it can be a really naughty problem. So you're a counsellor and coach and you have you had personal experience of this kind of thing? Just give me a bit of background. I have, yeah. So I'm a counsellor and a coach in Melbourne and deal with women in midlife, issues like loss of identity and burnout and relationship issues. But a lot of the people I see are going through separation or divorce and I have lived experience of that. So I think that's why I attract those sorts of people. So I separated from my ex-husband five years ago and have two boys who are now nine and 13. So yeah, really, I've been through this personally, but I also see a lot of clients in this situation. One of the reasons that I reached out to you and I was so grateful that you said yes was because it can be... If you're going through the stress of separation and you've got, it doesn't even matter if they're younger kids or older kids, and then Christmas is stressful enough without adding anything else into the mix, but then you've got the problem of, how am I going to deal with my ex and his family or her family and the kids? How are we going to deal with this with the kids? There's so many different things to, and so many new paths that you need to tread and learn about, aren't there? Absolutely. And I think, look, I've put together five tips for today for us to walk through, which I think is really simplifying it. But I think in general, these tips applicable to anyone going through separation or divorce. It's not just about Christmas time or dealing with the ex's family, that sort of thing. So we can go through those. But like you said, particularly that first and second year can be really challenging. There's a lot of emotion a lot of grief and not just for you and your ex and your children but also for the extended family so it is it's a really tough time i hadn't even thought about that but if i know some members of my family are particularly cut up about what's going on and because i separated from my husband just going on 12 months ago now and it's really interesting how I didn't expect that because, and I do feel a little bit betrayed, I've got to be honest, because these members of the family, are, they're making me wrong as opposed to supporting both of us being open. I don't know. And that's a difficult thing to deal with. I haven't actually thought about that. Yeah, there's so many relationships at play, isn't there? And, and we want to keep everyone as aligned as we can, particularly if we have children with someone. And what we're talking about today, seeing an exit 
at Christmas, I, I think for the majority of people that would only be if you had children and you were co-parenting. And also for most people, it's probably that first year because, to be honest, once you've worked through your financial agreements and your parenting agreements and custody, you're probably going to end up doing alternate Christmas or the children go with someone for lunch and someone for dinner. So it's probably just a, a short-term problem, but it is at a time when everyone's very emotional and, and stressed. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because even that, my kids are grown up, but even that spending lunch with mum and then dinner with dad or vice versa, or one year you, you're not going to see the kids on Christmas Day and the next year you are, the, even that on top of everything else, sorting out the finances, setting up a new home, dealing with the family, dealing with the kids, all of it, that can be really challenging to deal with. How do you deal with it? What's your advice on that? Yeah, just so many emotions. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know what? I think, I mean, I was going to say this at the end, but I think the way we behave in these situations and if we can behave in a way that we're proud of, after the fact, it becomes something that builds our confidence and makes us more resilient. And of course, we wish we didn't have to go through it. But looking further out, these are things that make us stronger and better at dealing with conflict and other people. So should we jump into the tips, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. So like I said, there's five tips. The first one I've got is set up for success. So you want to set yourself, your ex and your children up for success. That's things like clarity around logistics and timing. It's things like making sure you're on the same page. So if you're going, you're going to the same event together with, say, his family or, or her family, you want to make sure you've got clarity up front about your expectations, their expectations, and what's actually going to happen on the day. Who's taking the children? What does that look like? Who will be there? You, you don't want to turn up and suddenly your ex-husband has a new girlfriend they've decided to bring along. These conversations or text messages beforehand to, to make sure everyone has the best day possible are, are really important. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but that is a really good point. Who else is going to be there? Because imagine turning up and there's this new woman or a new bloke there. Just holy moly, there's a recipe for a bomb going off. Absolutely. And I, th I think it's in these simple things. I, I have clients who have been through this type of thing where the agreement is we'll all get together at Christmas for the children, but there's no more conversation. There's no clarity around anything and it, it turns to a disaster. So I, I think it's super important up front to have a conversation if you can or text messages or however you communicate and just set the scene. How do you, because I know even text messages can be a minefield, can't they? How, what's your advice for people in that regard? I'm, where I'm coming from with this is personally, I've realised that I am way better having a text conversation and not sending it immediately. So I will write the text, I'll put the phone down and I'll walk away for maybe an hour, possibly longer. Yeah. And I'll come back and I'll review it so that I can take the emotion out of it and blame <laughs> whatever else because I do want to put that in there. But I know it's not going to help and it's difficult. And that's my way of maintaining a little bit of control of the situation and making sure that I don't do something I regret. 
I think that's a great idea. I think for me, I always put those texts together in my notes in my phone because then I'm not going to accidentally send it before I'm ready. But I think like you said, doing a draft and then either sleeping on it overnight or stepping away is a good idea. Also having someone you trust have a look at that and make sure it's not offensive or emotive or it's clear on what you want. I think something else that I, a tip I often give clients is imagine that one day your children might read these texts. So your partner could show them or they could happen across them. It, it probably won't happen, but I feel like if we want to be our best selves for our children and if you assume that other people are going to be reading that text, you're probably going to phrase it in a way that's very mature and collaborative. Yeah, that is a great idea. The other thing I also do, I've forgotten because I was I used to use notes as well. WhatsApp's the other one because you can delete the message. <laughs> and I've done that a few times too. But um, write, I'll use notes or even Word and write it all out, put everything in there and walk away and then come back and do the really short version without all the words and the emotions because I've got it all out. So Absolutely. I'm, yeah, that. Yeah one of the best things I've found for myself. Is it is that something that you'd recommend? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think if we can get things out, whether that's journaling or speaking, I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, in communication, put it all out there and then pair it back. I think that's a great idea. Delay it, maybe get someone else to read if you're not sure. And then yeah, pull it back to just the facts and the information that needs to go through. And what's the next thing you should do? the next tip yeah my number two tip which it's for me I actually think it, it should be number one but I'm a very sequential person so number two and like I said this for me this drives when I went through a separation and divorce this was my key sort of mantra or thought each day and it was about putting the children first most of the time if you and your ex are both aligned in putting the children first most of the time you will be non-combative, you will come up with good solutions and majority of the time people will be happy. So the only time I would say that's not the case is if that's going to uh, hinder your mental health or put you in a situation where you don't feel okay. So I guess that's a point for the Christmas Day conversation we're having is you may have all agreed that it's best that you all get together for the first Christmas after separation with the children for the children's sake but as you get closer depending on the dynamics of the situation depending what's going on with lawyers or agreements depending on how the children are coping you might decide that um, it's actually not okay for you to be in the space with that person for that situation and with their family so I think my tip is to put the children first, but not at the expense of your own mental health. That's a really difficult line to draw, though, isn't it? At what point is that just, are you acting just purely out of emotion? And at what point is it like, no, actually, this is real, this is something? How do you spot that difference? I think for clients that I've talked to, it's a lot of that is about how the situation makes you feel. Obviously, if it's going to be unsafe, that's a no-brainer. If you're having some sort of panic attacks or not coping with the situation, that needs to be taken into consideration. We do need to know that none of this is comfortable. None of us plan to separate, to divorce, to have these situations where we're seeing our ex-mother-in-law for Christmas lunch and having to navigate that. So I think 
maturity around knowing that it's not comfortable, most of us don't want to be there, is fine. But you do need to know when to pull the parachute and, and get out of that situation, I think. Like just going to your ex's mother's place at somewhere that you might have been visiting for 20 years or something, that can be really confronting. Just that in and of itself, how do you cope with that? What are the strategies for that? Yeah, look, I think personally I would only do that if I really thought it was necessary. I know that the first year that I separated with my husband, Christmas we we did separate events and we've continued that now for five years. When we were together, we all would go to Christmas lunch with his family and then we'd go to dinner with my family. And what we decided, and we had the privilege of all of that being pretty local, is that we would let the children keep doing what they do and we would salate around them. So the boys wake up with me usually and they'll go to lunch with their dad and his family and then they'll come to dinner with me and my family. So I think by Christmas we were settled and I do think most people will create a situation where Christmas is separate. But in the the months before Christmas, I was living with my ex-husband probably six months from when we decided to separate before I moved out, just organising finances and a rental and helping the children through and all of that sort of thing. And we did have some family events So I have had the situation where they all came to our house or I had to go to their house and it's really challenging. And and a lot of people don't have a great relationship with their mother-in-law, for example, even when they're married and things are going well. I think just trying to have a bit of a plan, having some boundaries and, like I said, putting the kids first. So that's in the examples of how you speak to people and behave and how you show up and be brave in that situation. It's really hard, though, is it? Because it's a minefield. You say that one wrong thing and everybody's so close to the edge emotionally anyway, it could set it off really easily. Have you got any examples yeah. of what can happen or when things went wrong and when things went right? Yeah, look, I think for me, things go wrong when I haven't been able to manage my emotions. So when I'm putting myself and my emotion first and I'm being responsive and reactive, biting back, making a comment, that sort of thing, I think it's also around boundaries. So my third tip is around making sure you've got boundaries in place and there's two buckets there. There's one for yourself and then one for other people and how they can behave. So I think things like with boundaries, things like deciding if you're going to be drinking at that situation, is it a good idea to be drinking alcohol and potentially things getting out of control? So making decisions like that before you go to an event, how am I going to conduct myself? What are the rules I'm putting on myself to make this go as well as possible? I think confirming for yourself how much time and energy you're going to spend at the event what's reasonable what do you feel like you can actually do is two hours enough you used to go for the whole day but is two hours over lunch enough and then you'll leave and I think also things like topics that you will and won't discuss keeping it almost business-like or professional if the mother-in-law wants to talk to you or, or whoever it is having some topics at a really high level and and fairly superficial small talk and not getting into things about 
custody arrangements and how your ex-husband's feeling and um, how they might be feeling. And if people do start going down that track, I think almost having a, a sentence that you've practised or that you're comfortable saying in that I'm not sure today is appropriate, let's talk about it another time or let's catch up in a few weeks and grab a coffee and have a chat about this. Today's probably not the time or place. So I think it's about managing yourself and saying this is how I'm going to conduct myself up front, but also confirming for yourself what's okay for other people to talk to you about, to expect of you and, and to treat you. I think that there's two things in there that were really amazing. One of them is like we always think about boundaries as how other people are behaving to us. We don't necessarily think of boundaries on how we come across to other people. That makes such a difference, doesn't it? Because then we have to, it's all about being aware of ourselves, is it? Absolutely, yeah. It's considering how could this situation, how can I set myself up so this goes well and what do I need to do to make sure I'm the best version of myself? So it's I wouldn't be drinking any alcohol because you, you quickly have a few glasses of wine and, and you get a little bit loose with what you're willing to say. Or And I would probably think about some topics I could talk to them about. I'm not going to talk to them about the fact that I'm on Tinder or that I'm seeing the lawyer next week to talk about the financial arrangements. But having a few topics around work or things I'm doing with the children in the holidays, just have those up your sleeve so you're almost prepared to fill those spaces and set a new tone for the conversations. That was the other thing that I was going to say. That's genius because if you've got a plan for, okay, if somebody says this, I'll say this. Or if there's an awkward pause, then I'm going to talk about this and have that planned out, that just takes all the pressure off and avoids the reaction a lot of the time, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and people do, it's human nature, particularly with women, to default to talking about other people and talking about drama. It's what we naturally go to. And if there's space or if there's things going on, that's what people will do. That's the other thing is you may have a safe person at that function there could be a, a sister-in-law that you're still quite friendly with and that's great and that's one of the things that you should think about beforehand is who do I know that's going that if I'm not feeling great I can go and sit with them or go and tap out with them but also being aware that sitting there and chatting about the separation or the way your mother-in-law just spoke to you in that container in that venue is not okay. So I think establishing rules for yourself is really important. And then having a plan around if people get a little bit full on what you're going to say, I think protects you and makes you feel a bit more confident going into that space. I think that's a great point because I hadn't even thought about that at a Christmas gathering, the alcohol is going to be flowing and you will probably have to deal with somebody who's had one too many and wants to start a conversation about all this or just start the accusations. How do you prepare yourself to deal with that? On what ways can you deal with that? I think obviously it depends on your relationship with your ex-partner. And some of the clients I see have quite good relationships, quite respectful and quite collaborative. So it just depends on your situation. But you could potentially before the event say to your ex, 
look, if Auntie Mary starts talking to me about what's been going on and attacking me, I'm going to come and tap you on the arm and that's something for you to deal with. So if you can have those conversations up front, that's really good. Like I said, if you've got a safe person, maybe having a chat with them beforehand and saying, I'm concerned about my father-in-law because he often rants about things and I think he might have an opinion on what's going on. Having someone else there to protect you or step in or, or leave the space with you if you need to. But just having a plan around, it would be great if you could turn up and the event goes really well and nothing goes wrong. But I think having a, a plan and that boundary around if something does go wrong, that it's okay to leave. None of this is comfortable. None of this is the way we want our Christmas day to look. So if things do go wrong, even if you've made best efforts to make it go well, I think it's okay then, like we said, to put yourself first and say, look, I'm not feeling well or it was great to see everyone but I'm going to disappear now and do that. Yeah, it's almost like what you're saying, is it the five Ps or the six Ps? The prior planning prevents poor performance. There is another swear word in the middle there which makes up the six P. <laughs> but it is that, isn't it? And it's, I think... Going into this kind of situation, social situations, we don't plan how they're going to go. We just go into the situation and wing it. But this isn't a yeah. scenario where we can. The prior planning is actually really important, isn't it? I think so. And look, I'm a planner naturally, so I do these things. But I think when I'm sitting with clients, if we're moving into a period where or an event where somebody does have stress, we'll sit down and talk about What's the plan? Who's your safe person? What will you do if things, if things do go wrong? So I think doing that yourself, doing, having a chat to a friend, just having a plan in place is really important. And I think, look, my tip number four is thinking about long-term. So I think putting kids first is super important, but also thinking long-term. I know this is a common theme with clients and it is with me, is that when I separated from my husband, I thought short-term, this will be challenging co-parenting will be tough till we get into a groove and we figure this out and then I won't have much to do with him we'll just do drop-offs and pickups and have a chat about an issue at school or whatever that's not the case I'm five years out and <laughs> and there's a lot more text messages conversations decisions to be made together than I expected and going this will go for the rest of our lives. There'll be children's weddings and graduations and celebrations and emergencies. And I think remembering that you are going to be connected to this person for the rest of your life and trying to act in accordance with that is really important. Yeah, that's got to be one of the most difficult things to do, has it? Is that one of the most challenging things people find? Absolutely. You get divorced because you either fall out of love with someone, one of you has an affair, or you turn, your life looks differently than you expected and you both want different things out of life. And often through the process of separation and divorce, things get a bit nasty and a bit dramatic and a bit personal. And so this person that you've been through this really rough time with, but you share children with and need to make big decisions and guide them and love them, you need to be aligned on that forever. And I think that's, it, it's really tough. My, my ex-husband and I have quite an amicable relationship and I still find it really challenging. How do you deal with this from the kid's point of view? Because I was just thinking, if you go to a Christmas thing 
and Auntie Mary's had a few and you go, look, I'm out of here. I can't cope with this. How do you deal with that from the kid's perspective? Is that all about the prior planning and having those conversations with the kids, depending on their ages as well? How do you deal with that? I think setting the kids up for success is a good idea. So I think saying, look, the plan is that that I'll come along to lunch at dad's family's place. I'm planning to be there for a few hours, but I'm not sure how it's going to go. And I'll let you know. I think depending on other people's behaviour, you need to make a call at the time. So if Auntie Mary's just covertly being nasty to you and you decide you've had enough and you're leaving, that's one thing. If there's some overt behaviour where the children are seeing people treating you in a certain way, you probably need to pull your ex aside and say, look, isn't okay? Are you happy for me to take the kids with me? Or what's the plan around protecting them and what they're seeing? Do you find that people are open to that kind of thing? Saying, look, this isn't working. I don't like that the kids are seeing this person treat me that way. Is that something that, how do you make your ex receptive to that? Because I know in a lot of situations, yeah, the receptivity might not be there. It might be like, oh, get over yourself. It'll be fine. Yeah. She said one thing. What's the problem? It's, it could be very dismissive. I think, look, to be honest, when I'm speaking to clients about these situations, usually people usually grown-ups do behave. It might not be comfortable, it might not be warm, but normally, particularly if children are around, people will do what they need to do on the day. So I don't think, even though we plan for worst-case scenario, I don't think that happens very often. And I think all you can do is manage yourself. If the situation's not safe or it's offensive or it's upsetting people, you need to make a call. And, And if chatting to your ex about the plan is an option that's great and if it's not then you just make a call and do what you need to do so that's four tips we've done so far what's the fifth one is that four or three we've done four so we had set up for success we had put the kids first we had um, set boundaries for yourself and other people and thinking long term so thinking long term was about co-parenting's a long game so just remember you need to be dealing with this person for the next 40 years or whatever it is But in that, also deciding who you want to be, having intention around how do I want to be and who do I want to present as. And that's in front of your children as an example to everyone around you. And I suggest having a few words. So for me, it could be I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be kind. So for that day, I'm thinking about those words. I'm calm. I'm going to stay calm and I'm going to be kind to everyone. My ex's mother-in-law may have said some really awful things about me, but today I'm just going to be kind. So I think it's about deciding who you want to be and just following through on that. So that was thinking long-term. The final one is take care of you. So we've touched on that a few times and it's really important, but I think simple things like for me going for a walk is very calming and grounding. I do that most days. So if I was off to Christmas lunch in a stressful situation, I would make sure I had time in the morning to go for a walk and to get myself into the best space I could. And then after the event, I would probably have a plan in place. So whether that's saying to my girlfriend or sister, as soon as I get home, I'm going to give you a call or I'm coming straight to your place afterwards to have a bit of a debrief. Or if no one's available or that's not what you want to do, planning something for yourself when I get home I'm going to just have a bath I'm just going to treat myself and have a bath and 
reset who I am. So I think taking care of yourself is super important. Yeah, that's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because we tend not to do that. It's like, oh, we just need to deal with it and get on with things. But we don't think of actually taking time out to assimilate what's actually gone on and think about what's gone on, how we're going to behave. I think the emotions are big. That can be really scary, that side of it. We don't necessarily want to confront everything that's going on. No. And I think it's not just revisiting how it went and how we might have been able to, how we would do it differently next time, but it's also giving yourself a pat on the back. You showed up to a really difficult situation to make sure your kids had the Christmas that they wanted. You were polite to the family that has been talking behind your back and you've shown courage and been a great example to your children but also to those other people that this is more important than all of that detail. So I think taking time to think about the positives and what we've done is really important. But just that little bit of self-care or a reward for yourself. Do you go home and have a cheese platter for dinner? Do you go home and have the bath? Do you go and have a drink with a girlfriend? Finish it off, bookend it with something positive, I think. Just going back a couple of steps to leaving if something happened. And I think Mm. there's a couple of things. The first one is being okay with doing that. And the second thing is, how do you do that? Is there a way of doing that without making everybody wrong? (laughs) Without starting to go, oh, cope with this, this isn't isn't gonna happen. But the other thing is, can you set somebody up so that you have an excuse to leave? Or do you set yourself up so you have an excuse to leave? Prepare the excuses just in case. A hundred percent, have an exit plan in place. So it's the whole dating thing that you have a girlfriend that if you send a text to or you send an emoji to she'll call you and say there's an emergency and you need to leave there's all different ways to do that but I think like you said earlier planning is really important planning with your ex how the day is going to look like and what the expectations are planning for yourself how you're going to behave what's okay with you what's not what your expectations are But also planning, if you think things might go wrong, having an exit plan is an excellent idea. Do you discuss your possible concerns with your ex before you go there? And how do you do that? Yeah, look, I think that goes back to the the setup for success. And, And it really is about individuals. Like I said, I've got some clients who've got great relationships with their ex. They go on family holidays together and all sorts of things. So there's certainly relationships where you could say, look, your mum's always been a little bit harsh with me. And I'm really concerned that on Christmas Day, she's going to amp that up quite a bit. So I think it really comes down to your relationship with your ex. If it's not great, if you can't say those things without causing offence or getting people's back up, maybe even with the exit plan, putting in place, planting that seed with him beforehand in the morning saying, I've got a bit of a headache, I've taken some tablets, but I'll just have to see how I go today, just so you've got a path to, to tap out. And just something occurred to me as you were talking then, huh, other side of the story, what happens when they all come to your place? (laughs) And it doesn't go well. Yeah, I think, like we said, it's the probably the majority of people will separate things at Christmas time. So it won't be the case that you'd have 
the family in your home, that sort of thing. But even if it's your ex-husband coming over for a, a child's birthday or any sort of event like that, that certainly happens. And I think it's really difficult. It all comes down to boundaries and having a voice. And most of us struggle with that. I know for me, I might go through a situation that's difficult. And then afterwards, I think I should have told that person to move on earlier, or I should have voiced how I was feeling earlier. And in the time and space, we try and keep the peace. We try to be the good girl. We try to make everyone happy. So I think it's really about self-awareness and, and being aware of what's okay with you and what's not. And maybe practicing even, you know, in the car when you're by yourself saying out loud, I'm not sure this is working today. How about we, we call it and we do something else next time? What's the most unexpected thing you've learned from all this, not just in your own experience, but from coaching other people through all this? Yeah, I think what's interesting is that the worst case rarely happens. So what we're, and, and that's true of life. If you're talking about anxiety, that sort of thing, our primitive brain goes to what's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's the same with these situations. So that rarely happens. I think the other thing is that we don't often realise how emotional we are and the people around us are. And it's often not until we a year or two or five down the track that you look back and say, wow, why did we all try to sit together and have Christmas? That was just, that was just asking for trouble. So I think just being compassionate with yourself and with other people around you and just being aware that you're really fragile. It's a very emotional time and affording that to other people as well is really important. Just it's new territory. You've got to do your best, but you've also really got to be kind to yourself and take care of yourself. Yeah, because the other thing that I hadn't thought about is that you've also got to deal with your kids' emotions around this time as well, haven't you? How are they going to feel going to a function where both their parents are but they're no longer together? They've got separate houses. That's going to be as unsettling for the kids as anything else. Absolutely. And I think, like we said, putting kids first is super important. And I think sometimes people bulldoze through and they assume that what the kids would want is for everyone to be together at Christmas. So let's all be uncomfortable and do that for the children. Whereas that's really quite stressful for the kids because they know that you maybe don't like each other anymore. Maybe there's a bit of animosity and they're probably uncomfortable. They're probably watching both of you. They're probably, depending on their ages, they, they want to take care of you and, and protect you and make sure you're okay. So I think with children, talking to them is super important, not making assumptions because they know things have changed. Everyone keeping the same traditions and structures in place, it sounds lovely, but I think even for kids, I've seen that it, it rarely works. Just flipping the other side of it as well, if you're the mother or the mother-in-law of a couple that's in this situation, how do you deal with that? And you're having Christmas lunch at your house. How do you deal with this kind of thing? What advice do you have from that perspective? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I think it's all very similar tips, isn't it? It's put the kids first, think long-term, set an example of behaviour, all of that sort of thing. But if it were me or if I was talking to a client about what to do, regardless of what's gone on, I would say reach out to the person beforehand, probably by text, and just say, 
really glad you can come along. You, you're able to do that. Appreciate it'll be uncomfortable, but we're looking forward to seeing you. Break the ice a little bit so that people feel a bit more comfortable on the day. Again, set any expectations. If there's going to be a random person there or, or it looks different to what it normally does, let them know because they're not going to be privy to that sort of family information anymore. And then just keep an eye on them during the day. And you may not like the person anymore. You may not want them there. It might be your son-in-law, say, who said she's coming this year. But think of the children, grit your teeth, do the right thing, <laughs> be a grown-up and yeah, try to enjoy it, I guess. We're making it probably sound quite quite a negative experience, but it is Christmas and kids are happy and, and most people will suck it up and get on with it, I think. I don't think we're making it seem a negative experience. I think we're doing what brains do and going for the worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to, aren't we? It protects us. We're going to start wrapping up in a few minutes. Is there anything else you want to share or you want people to know? And then can you also tell people how they can get in touch with you? And all of those details will be on the website as well for anybody if they miss it. But I would like you to share it if you could, please. Yeah, great. Sure. So j just to recap, it's the five tips was set yourself up for success. So that's the planning factor. It's put the kids first, make sure you've got personal boundaries in place and boundaries around the way people will treat you, think long-term and then take care of yourself. So they're the five tips that I recommend and that I would walk through with my clients. So as you said, all the information's available online, spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I'm at Laura Petrie Counselor on there. And then I'm, I also have a website, which has got a lot of information, which is laurapetrie.com.au. I am taking new clients at the moment. So I see people online and in person in Melbourne and all the details on the website if people want to book in for a quick chat to see if we align or straight into a, a session. I'm also about to release tickets for a vision board workshop in February. So I'm very much about intention and goal setting. And if you know where you want to go, then you've got much more chance of getting there. So in Feb, I'm holding a vision board workshop. So it'll be a fun afternoon to come along with a girlfriend or your mom or a sister, put together a vision board with some goals and intentions and then take that home with you and set the year off on a good note there's all that information on the website why wow, thank you so much this has been great i've really enjoyed it and some really good information as well thanks so much karen some of your questions were really insightful so thank you it's been really lovely if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends and don't forget, if you've been thinking how great it would be to have your own podcast so that you can interview guests and speak to people about the topics that you're interested in personally, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is for you to start podcasting. There's a download on how to start a podcast for free waiting there for you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.